0: Good afternoon and good evening everybody. Welcome into day 3 of the AME roundup here in Vancouver. This is the Roundup Roundup podcast bringing you the big conversations of the day here at the conference and it was another big day. We continue to add more people into the show. 6204 registrants. That that's an important number. Why that's the highest number of registrants and attendees since 2019, prior to COVID. I've been attending this conference throughout uh, the last number of years and through COVID. And this is uh, a real testament uh, for these staff in the organization to uh, bring those numbers up and everything we have been through the last couple of years. So kudos to them. I uh, also want to say thank you to Newmont for sponsoring this podcast series. Newmont, creating value and improving lives through sustainable and responsible mining. And speaking of Newmont, we're gonna be hearing from Newmont here in the second segment of this Roundup podcast, so stay tuned for that. So we're gonna hear from Kayvon Hershey. He's a senior sustainability and external relations specialist. For North America, we're gonna talk about Newmont coming into British Columbia in a big way after the deal with Newcrest. But first, we're gonna hear from one of our favorite organizations here in the province, that's Geoscience BC. And they do a they do a number of data dumps here in the province uh, every time this year, and this year was a little bit different. And we're gonna talk about that with Brady Clift. He's the manager of minerals uh, there at Geoscience BC. So let's jump into the conversations, everybody. Have a great day. See you tomorrow. We are wrapping up day three here at the Roundup Conference with the Association for Mineral Exploration, British Columbia. And this is about this time of year. Once a year, we get a touch base with Geoscience BC on their interesting work that they do with the, throughout the province. And this year, they, they it, what's very interesting, the news is actually a little bit different than years prior here. And so we're going to break this down. With Brady Clift of GeoScience BC. Brady, thanks so much for joining us.
1: Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me, Trevor.
0: Yeah. Uh, so maybe let's touch base. We usually hear from somebody else. This is the first time you've been on the podcast. This is the first time I've been on the podcast. Yeah. Right. So how'd you how'd you get wrangled into sitting in the hot seat here?
1: Uh, well, I think it was through attrition. Uh, you wore <laughs> everyone else out, and uh, <laughs> I'm a little bit lower down, so I was a it, someone had to do it, right? Yeah, I'll take it easy on you. I'll yeah, take it easy. Yeah. On you. Okay. Right. So. You know, a lot of times what we get uh, in the
0: years prior, geoscience uh, throws out data from different, you know, uh, different areas of the province that they're looking to perhaps put out there for uh, exploration is to pick up claims and, you know, do what they do best. This year's news is a little bit different. A Little bit, yeah. Yeah, so uh, kind of break this down, because we're talking things that, uh, Maybe it's oftentimes
1: regarding mine tailings, waste rock and even
0: coal fields. Yeah,
1: yeah. So we had uh, two big announcements this week. The the first one regarding the coal fields is uh, we were we released some new data for a project that we just finished. Uh came out of UBC through the Norm Kiev Institute of Mining there. Uh, Maria Halasco had done some research for us about the rare earth elements in coal fields. So it's been known for a while that uh, there are rare earths in coal fields, but it had never been tested in BC to just quantify it and figure out how much was in the coal fields here. So Maria got together, did that research, and we released that all this week. Uh, it's pretty, like, it's, it's more than you think. Yeah, Yeah. okay, so, so you, how do you access this? We've got this on our website, uh, so you can go to, go to the Geoscience BC website. The fastest and easiest way to do it is to remember the number I'm about to say. If you type into our, any one of our search bars 2018-002, it'll take you straight there. But you can also just search coal fields, and you'll find it. Um, and the data is available for free to use for anybody. Take a look at it. You can see how much rarest there actually is in coal. Mm-hmm. If you've got any questions, you can get a hold of us, and we can get you right directly in touch with the actual researchers who have done this work. And you can learn a lot about uh, what's going on in the coal fields. Okay, uh, predominantly metallurgical coal. Yes, okay. yeah, that's like the, those are what the, the mines in BC are working looking for. Yeah. Is there any mining.
0: thermal coal in BC? Yes, I've, I've never even asked that question.
1: It's a it's a good question. Not at any of the mines. The mines are all mining metallurgical coal. Okay. But uh, I'm sure they've got some. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'm sure they are. I, I don't think they'll be able to
0: access them anytime soon be. Yeah. Quite honestly. Awesome. Okay, so, but let's talk about this. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, Cole's got this dirty perception. People that have been following this industry, they're not, they shouldn't be surprised to hear of rare earth element opportunities within this type of geology. Uh, but it does have a little bit of a, uh, public perception, especially, I would say,
1: here in BC. I mean, did you have to tackle some of that at all uh, after the release of this news? Uh, since we released the news, we haven't had any of those questions or queries, I mean, but we're in a pretty friendly environment for that sort of thing right. right now, so it's that's, that's pretty beneficial to us. Uh, we have had the questions come along prior to that because we put a lot of work in when we start a project into making sure people understand it and and get it and so these were some of the questions we were getting early on but the thing is these mines are there they're going to happen no matter what why can't we see if we can get some extra value out of them maybe we can extract enough of the rare earth elements out of these coal coal mines that we can start building wind turbines and you know the other side of it is these these this coal is used to make steel so we're gonna need the steel there's no avoiding it. And it helped get the message out to people that there is different kinds of coal that are doing different things. And those those were some of the questions we were able to help answer and guide people through. Uh, and then it becomes kind of a little bit better received. Yeah. And it helps people just learn. And I know a lot of people that think
0: metallurgical coal, exactly for what you just described, how what it's used for, uh, might be one of those outperforming... Uh, uh, resources here in the coming exactly. years just because of you know the processing and fabrication of uh, uh, refining of metals so yeah, it's, exactly, it's going to yeah. be very interesting okay well let's go talk about uh, the, some other things that maybe people have forgotten mine tailings and waste rock and that was i think that was the latest news
1: here of this yep. studies so yeah yeah talk us through this this is a new project, so this is uh, we're just starting starting this. We're just launched it. We've been talking about it for a little while now, but now it's like it's out there. We've got some money behind it. We're still looking for more partners and supporters, but the project itself, we've got phase one all lined up, and we're gonna we're gonna make an atlas. So we're gonna compile together all the locations of historical mine tailings and waste rock facilities. We've been working with the Orphan and Abandoned Mines Group. Mm. We found out that there is over 2,800 sites in the province. So there's a lot of dots that need to be added to a map and they've never really been put together in that way. But along with that, it's not enough just to know that it's there. We're gonna add in as much other information as we can find. So we need to know the geology. We need to know what was mined, where we can, how much was mined. Mm -hmm. We wanna know about the alteration and then get into infrastructure what exists around it, what communities are nearby, when was this mined, which can make a huge difference in what might be available in any leftover tailings or waste rock piles. You know, you think about some analytical techniques, maybe from 50 or 60 years ago, they may have told you you had, I don't know, 10 grams per tonne gold, let's say, and you could extract 70% of it at the time. Maybe with modern techniques and modern analytical methods, you find out it was actually 12 grams per tonne gold, and now, that 70 percent you extracted yeah. was actually closer to 50 percent. <laughs> sure. So what's left behind in the <laughs> tailings and waste rock could be hugely significant, and we may have newer techniques that could extract that. So phase one, we're going to compile it all together, make it available for people to use. It'll be a cool exploration tool, but it's also going to be like a, just a great asset for us to develop phase two, which we would be able to look at other projects about extraction techniques or other things like that things that we can do at these my, these sites and we can look at the database we created and find sites that will match those new techniques better mm-hmm. so we may be able to extract more critical minerals from these sites but also clean up the environment at the same time yeah. and that's kind of moving into phase two but step one Let's let's make a map show everybody where it
0: all is. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of
1: incentive with these with these historical projects. Whether I
0: mean, you know, just abandoned projects, but waste piles and and, and these tailings, um, you know, you never know what has been forgotten. And obviously, the cost to process of come come down uh, to the point where you know, there's a lot of things there. There's a lot of projects doing this in the United States. I'm just kind of curious. Like, is any other province or
1: territory in Canada? Thinking outside the box like this as far as agendas? Oh, absolutely. I mean, well, who wouldn't look at this and be like, you know, here's a site, the rock's already pulled out of the ground, it's ground up, it's sitting there just waiting to go. People are thinking about this all over the place. Uh, the federal government, we've been in touch with Canmet Mining, um, and they're looking, they wanted to put this together for the entire country years and years and years ago, but they weren't able to get all the provinces to participate. Mm-hmm. So it was just hard, difficult to share the data. We're at a point now where we think we can get that stuff compiled and together and make it available. And you know, I'll point out, you know, we've got some good partners on this project already. Uh, New Golds is, is coming to the table and they're supporting the project, as well as ARCA Climate. Okay. Uh, so now, I just said ARCA climate and you're thinking, why are they there? So ARCA is looking at uh, ultramafic and mafic mine tailings to su- store CO2 permanently. Here we're going to give them an atlas that may show them where a whole bunch of that material is just lying on the surface in the province that they can go and use to store carbon. And then Newgold's looking at this going, you know, New Afton's got you know some number of years left to go. but what else can we fit into this into our into our processing facility and what other methods can we use like here we are we're on the ground floor now and we've got an opportunity to look at this stuff from all over the province
0: yeah 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 well, let, let me take it one step further because I think I mean this is promising but as far as permitting uh, companies coming in and maybe looking at projects like this and considering seeing through with it, where does the responsibility lie with, you know, their own, uh, you know, taking on these types of environments, needing to do the mitigation, any sort of cleanup? Will those responsibilities be put onto these companies and individuals who are maybe looking at this and considering taking on these waste piles and mine tailings? I mean, there is, you got to take it
1: that far, like what is the, what is the, end, part, the end, end solution here when it comes to the environmental yeah. stewardship? Yeah, well, I mean, like, that's going to be a, potentially a billion dollar question, right? We're, we're looking at all, all different kinds of things here. And it's going to be site specific, and obviously, I'm not in charge of permitting or any right. of that thing, <laughs> those things. Nor do you speak on <laughs> their behalf. Exactly, you know, like, if it were up to me, it would be, yeah, of course, why not? This site's already been disturbed, it should be easy. Um, but that's also kind of one way you can consider it like there's always going to be challenges in permitting there's always going to be like different things that you have to consider and Mm. this is gonna be I, I think this will help highlight where these potential and possibilities exist and help the whole industry kind of get ahead of it including in permitting they'll know that people will be looking at these sites they'll understand what's there and what has been done historically and what things that need to be considered. Uh, ideally, you don't end up pushing any of the environmental responsibilities that are currently existing, only looking forward environmental responsibilities onto a company that is going to use it, do anything with any of these projects. But a big part of phase two research is kind of looking at different techniques that may be able to help clean those things up and then it could be applied to other sites across the province, but also across the world. Yeah. It, it, there's no reason that anything that we do in these next phases, new techniques for extraction, or even just neutralizing a tailings pond or facility, whatever it may be, <coughs> can't be applied anywhere else. Yeah.
0: All right, yeah. Brady, thanks so much for your time. Thanks for uh, kind of walking us through these two important news releases. You do great work and important work the entire, uh, organization does so I appreciate you and all and everything you've done great thanks a lot and, and you did great Richard will be proud of you so. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> we'll see all right, all right we'll going to take a quick little break everybody we'll be right back All right, welcome into our second segment here at the Roundup Conference on day three. We're going to step in and actually speak to one of, well, actually the sponsor here for this series of Roundup, and we're going to talk to Newmont and representative from the organization, Mr. Kayvon Hirji. Kayvon, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Trevor, thanks for having me. A transformative year for Newmont with this merger uh, acquisition of Newcrest. Uh, you did have a Newmont had a presence here in the province. Uh, you know, a number of years ago, acquiring Goldcorp, and so obviously right. that was important. Uh, but uh, huge operations now with this recent acquisition and being operators and partners on a number of BC projects. So, uh, you know, congratulations. But uh, the work now uh, is just beginning. It seems. like.
2: Yeah, certainly. So maybe I can tell you a bit about who Newmont is and and what this acquisition means to us and positions us in the global marketplace. Um, So it really positions Newmont as the world's leading gold mining company with a robust portfolio of copper. Uh, We're also producers of of silver, zinc and lead. Um, We have a world class portfolio of assets, prospects and talent anchored in favorable mining jurisdictions in Africa, Australia, Latin America and the Caribbean. North America, and Papua New Guinea. We're also the only gold producer listed in the S&P 500 index and are widely recognized for our principled environmental, social, and government's practices. Yeah, and you're also based in my town of Denver, Colorado. We are. The company <laughs> is headquartered in, uh, in Denver, Colorado, with our regional North American office right. uh, based out of Vancouver.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And what do you do for the organization?
2: Yeah, so I work on uh, external relations and uh, sustainability as well. Um, I can kind of dive into a lot of areas of the business and, and really get a lot of exposure to, to what a number of the functions are, are doing. Um, but I, I predominantly work with indigenous communities and government to help mm. advance the business interests of Newmont um, to achieve favorable outcomes for, for projects and our operations.
0: Okay, obviously a very important aspect and we, we it seems like a number of years that I've been coming to Roundup, it's been uh, you know that relationships with local communities, First Nations and the province to Continue to drive this industry forward from exploration to uh, metals production. I mean, it's it's never stop. It's it's never perfect. There's always improvements can be made. So, you know, what are some of the themes and, and discussions you've been having here the last couple of days at Roundup?
2: Yeah. So we've been we've been meeting with uh, a number of senior government officials uh, as well as the the communities that host our operations, and we've been hearing you know uh, very much the same thing that we've been hearing over the number of past number of years, which is reconciliation is key. Um, and we actually have to take a step beyond this abstract notion of what reconciliation yeah, is that's a good question. and start to operationalize right. and implement it and what does that look like in practice? So, uh, so what does it look like? Yeah, for us, you know, when we ask uh, a host community if we can operate in their territory, um, it's really incumbent on us as industry to ensure that there's strong socioeconomic outcomes for that community, right? And um, because if the community is thriving, then the operation is thriving. Uh, for us, that starts with creating a shared vision. Uh, our purpose at Newmont as well is to improve lives and create value through sustainable and responsible mining. Uh, one of the ways that we look to, to, um, to, to, gener- to uh, distribute the value generated by a mine is through, actually through local and indigenous procurement. And we've got really great stories around Canada uh, that, we can, that we can pull on and, and draw on and, and utilize elsewhere. So for example, with the, the, the Cree nation in, in Quebec, uh, we've done over a billion dollars of business with the Eleanor operation uh, over the past 10 years. Wow. So some really phenomenal outcomes there. Uh, in Timmins, Ontario, where we have signatory agreements with a number of the title-holding nations in the area, uh, we do tremendous business uh, through Newen Corporation, uh, which is uh, stems from the Wabin Tribal Council, uh, which represents a number of those signatory title-holding nations I- in the region. Uh, and that company also, sp- uh, was born from the porcupine resource development agreement itself.
0: Okay, interesting. Uh, you know, so here in BC, a lot, the First Nations are very much involved in industry and exploration and mining, you know, I think with uh, with this latest deal you're working very closely with the Tall Tam, the Tsimishke right. Nation. Um, you know, and kind of talked about it, like, you know, they're pretty they're very obviously very savvy with industry. Uh, does that does that, I mean talk about that mutual benefit of having a First Nation that knows the industry, supports the industry, wants to work with the industry, uh, but also maybe knows you know the harder questions to ask at the appropriate times?
2: Yeah, certainly. Um, and maybe I'll take it a step back with just you months interest uh, in British Columbia that definitely drove the the consideration for the acquisition. Right. Okay. So uh, BC has about seventy five percent of Canada's known copper resources. Uh, it's phenomenal. Those are often copper gold porphyry deposits, right? And where you find the gold, you find copper. And the gold is actually what makes those those uh, copper deposits uh, uh, economical to mine. So it's very attractive for Newmont. We know that copper is going to go for a long good run. Um, it's central to the green economy. There's going to be a 9.9 million metric ton deficit of copper by 2035. That's an S and P number. Um, so Newmont is is very bullish on on uh, Northwestern British Columbia as a as a tier one world class mining jurisdiction. Uh, you've got a good re- regulatory regime, um, uh, you know, a, a, a provi- provincial government that is, is, you, can, you can work with and is very mm-hmm. interested to advance those resources as well. And as you pointed out, nations that are actually open to economic development and open to mining. Um, so you've got uh, NISCA as you pointed out. We also have signatory agreements with uh, Gitniel and Skikum Laha. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then with Taltan, of course. Taltan is a very sophisticated. Um, very knowledgeable nation when it comes to mining. Uh, You speak to many uh, Taltan leaders and they describe Taltan as having mined for thousands of years. And I've actually been out onto the land in Taltan territory uh, with archeological teams and found uh, obsidian arrowheads that date back thousands of years. And it's really cool to actually see that stuff and uh, see how far Taltan has come in in recent decades and and, and, in a contemporary context uh, to to establish, you know, a strong lands department that can evaluate projects and work with companies on a technical, uh, uh, you know, in technical conversations. So,
0: what's the biggest challenge for Newmont right now, working in BC and really being, I guess, arguably saying, probably the largest mining player in in the province,
2: I mean, besides a couple of
0: your peers, but you're already partnered with
2: Tech. Yeah, that's right, we are partnered <laughs> with Tech Resources on the Galore Creek project, we're a 50% owner of that, and that's, um, uh, Canada's largest undeveloped copper resource. Uh, we also have the Bruce Jack mine that we acquired from from Newcrest, and and the Red Chris operation that right. we're, we're we're exploring the the block cave potential of that in the future. And we're going through the permitting process and the approvals process, which is really centered around a Section 7 consent-based agreement with the between the province and Taltan Nation, which is uh-huh. really exciting. It's precedent-setting. Um, it means that the Taltan. Uh, that will require consent to actually advance that blockade expansion. Um, So working through that is, it's not challenging, um, but it's it's complex um, because it's new and anything that's new requires effort and requires time and we're very committed to ensuring uh, transparency with the Taltan as we go through that process uh, and and trying to, and endeavoring to, to reach consent for the blockade expansion.
0: Uh, if if I may, because we follow markets and news out of mining and explorers uh, every day, uh, you know when the when the news announced that Newmont would be acquiring Newcrest, there was a lot of discussion about exactly why this deal, uh, and some of the speculator speculation was well, obviously Newmont wants to grow, uh, that's a big part of it, but what is technically technically why would they? go towards Newcrest. And one of the things that we kept on hearing was Newcrest is really, really good block cave miners. Newmont Net does not necessarily have that reputation. Is that a fair speculation to say in order to grow, you had to get behind a type of mining process that was uh, you know, pretty challenging, but yet very effective if you did it right? Did you need to bring that leadership and that... Uh, kind of experience into the organization to see that next uh, generational growth for Newmont?
2: Yeah, certainly. I mean, the the acquisition greatly exposes our, um, greatly uh, increases our exposure to copper, right? Uh, As we discussed earlier, 75% of the known copper resources are in northwestern BC. Um, The block cave knowledge was certainly a a, a very attractive component of the acquisition. Um, You know, there's few companies in the world with that knowledge. Uh, and, and if you think about the mining industry, it's largely trending towards underground mining. Uh, and that's for two reasons, right? They're, the shallower deposits have been mined out, so, so companies are needing to go deeper. Uh, and then it's also less obtrusive. It doesn't sit on the landscape like a large open pit mine, right? So the ability to actually incorporate some of these new technologies into your planning uh, it was very attractive to Newman and the knowledge and the, and the talent that comes along with, with Newcrest. And Newcrest actually was a spin out from Newmont I believe in the eighties. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. think it was eighty um, six. So full circle. <laughs> exactly. In a lot of ways it's it's a reuniting of of, uh, of, of knowledge and, and colleagues and right. uh, yeah for a really exciting future. Yeah,
0: well in the the state state of Colorado's largest gold mine was not a Newmont mine, even though Newmont was based in Denver until right. they took over the Cripple Creek and Victor mine. Right. I don't know. Have you ever been to that mine? I have been to that. It's mine. It's pretty wild.
2: It is. It is pretty wild. It's it's very it's very interesting um, yeah. to just understand the the the, the different di- difference in dynamics as well. Yeah, for sure. Between operating in Colorado and operating in Canada, uh, where we have. Uh, you know a, a strong strong uh, interest in reconciliation mm-hmm. um, just because of the number of indigenous communities that are that are asserting their title and, and still live on the land so yeah it's interesting to see some of those those different dynamics.
0: Uh, Kayvon thanks so much for your time. Yeah certainly Thank yeah this is much. a great conversation and the best of luck moving forward sounds like uh, you've got a lot of work ahead of you uh, but you know exactly what you're doing and it's really exciting to see the, helping this industry and all assets of the life cycle move forward so you know, best of luck. Yeah.